2: To see the Lord Jesus Christ in the Passover is to see the gospel according to Moses. It's to see the gospel according to Moses. Each father, as we saw here in the account here, each father was to take a lamb, was to take a lamb. The father was to select the lamb. You know, when John the Baptist saw the Lord Jesus Christ in John 1, 29, he he was stunned and he said, behold, the lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. And at that time when the Lord Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist then, or Yohanan, as it is in Hebrew, then a low, a voice, it says in Matthew 3.17, Matthew 3.17, low, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you know when God said that? this is my beloved son. Can you picture the father of the house going out among the lambs and say, which one is going to be our Passover lamb for Passover? Which one? And and he had to select out and he was looking for a lamb without blemish and then the father would say, oh, that one there, that's the one right there. Take that one, that's him. That's going to be the lamb that we're going to keep in our family for three days while our hearts grow attached to them. And if you've ever had lambs as we have, and believe me, we had lambs. We were actually, we, had a, we were on a goat farm out on Willow Road in Lakeside, and we had sheep and we had lambs, which was very unusual. Jewish, that's not something Jewish boys do, but we did. And so we had this lamb there, and, and we had 14 lambs, as a matter of fact, and we were so attached to the lamb that um, when it came time that, you know, we had to, to call the butcher, we had to leave the house and go away. And then we told the butcher, butcher just, just straighten out all the dirt and everything. We don't want to know what happened. We don't want, especially the black lamb, whatever, because we were very attached to the black lamb. Black lamb. So don't, don't ever let us see the, the black lamb. Okay. So, you know, we got all the meat. We got it all packaged up, put it in the freezer and so forth, and one day my wife opened up a package, and there was some black fur. (laughs) That was it. (laughs) No more lamb, couldn't eat it. Okay, anyway, you get very attached to lambs, believe me. So he got the lamb for three days. They're watching it to make sure it doesn't have any blemish. It's really growing into their heart. Well, anyway, like I was saying, when the father looked out, and he said, that's the lamb right there. That's the lamb. That's the lamb we want. That's what God the Father did. When he said, when John the Baptist said, behold, the lamb of God, and then when the voice came out and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, that was God the Father looking out over humanity and say, there's the lamb for you. I am the father of the household of, the hum- of mankind, God the Father is. And he said, there's the lamb I've selected. And so this is what happened there. And then the lamb had to be absolutely without blemish, no spot, no deformity in it, nothing like that. You know, I used to go up to, where is that place up there? Anyway, uh, up there. And I uh, forgot. Anyway, and they had a big auction on Tuesday of animals. Maybe some of you have been there. I don't think so. It's near Bakersfield. It's south of Bakersfield. Anyway, it's just skipping my. starts with an O. This city, it doesn't matter. The point is that they would go there. It was very unusual. There would be a Jewish boy, me, you know, trying to buy goats, which this is another problem. And I couldn't buy goats, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I would come back with 50 goats for our laboratory operation. And invariably, I would buy these goats that were all sick and shot up with combiotics, and I'd get them home and they would fall over and die. And I paid like $100 for each one, you know, it was really embarrassing. But anyway, um, the point is, is that after three days, after buying the goats, I knew if they were gonna make it or not. Well, the point is, is that here God said, you keep the lamb for three days and you watch it and you make sure it's not sick. You make sure there's nothing wrong with it. I was—I never learned the that you have to look at the nose for mucus and the knees for swelling. I didn't know that all that stuff. What did I know? They just anyway. But but so so they watched this lamb and they made sure. And then the time came, when Moses gave the call, and he says, and and the voice it, it, what we read here in, in Exodus 22 was that. He said, speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel. This was for everyone, everyone. Why? Why? Because Isaiah 53 makes it very clear when it says the prophet Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. So therefore, the Lord said, speak ye unto all the congregation. This is for everyone. It's as it says there in Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So anyway, so this all comes out to the call to everyone there in Israel, and then the time came when they said, kill the lamb, kill the lamb. I couldn't kill the animals. I couldn't do it. When an animal got sick like a a goat, or we had mainly goats, goats and, and sheep, I couldn't do it. I did it one time. And that was it. I can't hold the animal when it dies. And then I have to call the vet, and now that's what we do, and the vet comes and does that. But it's a very disturbing thing. I don't know if you've ever done that before, but it's very, very disturbing for a life to go out of an animal. And this is what what happened in this family, was that when they killed the lamb, the life went out of the animal. Now, you think that would be disturbing enough? But now the call is, collect the blood. Collect the blood as you do this. And so they collect the blood in a basin, and they have the hyssop. And this is a very disturbing thing. Yeah, they have the, the blood, and they have the hyssop, and, he, and it goes like this, and he comes over, comes over to the door of the house, and he takes the, he takes the, he takes the blood. Dang. Okay. yeah, Takes the blood, and he comes to the door here, and he strikes it right there on the, on, the, on the top of the door. Can you picture that? And blood is dripping down. And then he takes some more of this hyssop, and he strikes the two side posts. And this is called the mezuzah. It's a doorpost in Hebrew, mezuzot for two. He strikes it here, and a doorpost, mezuzot, strikes it here. This is what Moses said to do, strike it here, strike it here, strike it here. Blood is running down, just like this little booklet that you have there. It's kind of showing, trying to show that there. It's running down, and this was what God said to do. What is that? When you stand back and you look at that, that's a shape of a cross. And they strike the doorpost there, they strike the top, and then they're to go inside here and wait, okay. and not come out. That's what he said. He said, go in there and wait and not come out. Why? That was a place of safety with this blood. It was a place of safety with that blood. Don't go out. That blood, you could think of that blood like an umbrella. It was an umbrella of safety against the reign of God's judgment, which was death in the land of Egypt. We just can't And can you imagine who was the person in the family who was the most keen Interested about make sure you do it right. You know who that would have been? The firstborn. The firstborn. Can you imagine the interrogation that the father got when he came in there by the firstborn? Are you sure? Did, did you really? Now you remembered three, didn't you? One, two, three. Did you really do it? Tell me you did it. Because he was a, he was at risk. Because if it wasn't done right, then he was the one that was going to be killed which is what happened, which is what happened on that night. Now, let's say, for example, that there was someone who says, that's so barbaric. I don't, I'm not, I'm educated. I, I'm not, that, you know, this religion, that's an opiate of society. Like Karl Marx said, I'm not going to do that. You got to be kidding. You guys go do that. Go play your little games. Uh, not me. You know what happened? He died. He died oh, you guys are all religious, you're religious. No, we got a new age coming here. Yeah, he died. You had to have the blood. Without the blood, there was no protection. And it's the same way for us. As it says in 1 Peter 1.18, Peter says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. A clear reference back to the Passover. Now, so the blood had to be collected and it had to be applied. It had to be applied. Now, then what happened? All right, what happened at that point was that the angel passed over and there was the great death and there was the great salvation at the same time. There was those who were Unbelievable sadness, a mourning throughout all of Egypt, where even Pharaoh said, Let him go, let him go, get out of here. Next time, next I'll die. As he was looking at his dead son, the prince who was going to be king after him. That's what happened to Pharaoh. That's what happened to all the people that didn't. But let me tell you something that among the Egyptians, among the Egyptians, there were some who put the blood on their door also. Mama didn't raise no dumb people. So there were, they saw, listen, we just saw nine plagues, just like that man Moses predicted happen. There is no way we're going to gamble on this one. And when it says that they went out of Egypt, it's very interesting because it says there, there was a large mixed multitude that went out with them also. Those were believing Egyptians who said, Help me in. I'm going to become a part Of this God's people. And so that was very, very important also, that this was not only just to save the Jewish people, it was to save any Egyptian people who believed. Most of you in this room tonight are are not Jewish. Most of you are, 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 are Gentiles. You have come also like the Egyptian people and put your faith in the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you're also part of that big multitude They came out with them as well. Okay, now, so what I've just described to you, what God has given an account of to us here, is the Passover. And then he said, now, I'm giving you this ordinance that you must celebrate this every year. It's an ordinance forever. It's an ordinance forever. You say forever? God says forever. How can it be forever? Because the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the creator, in the beginning, as it says in John 1, in the beginning was was God, and and, and the Word was God, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. He's the creator. He's the great creator. And yet in heaven, how does he appear in heaven as the great creator, the Almighty? He is the Almighty, he appears that way. But it says in Revelation, he appears as a lamb that was slain. Now that's not a temporary appearance, That's for all eternity. For all eternity, he's going to appear as the lamb that has been slain. Is it any wonder why we'll be celebrating Passover for eternity? As a celebration of the lamb that was slain. Now, I'm going to explain to you about how a typical relatively orthodox Jewish family the, would celebrate Passover as, as my family was relatively orthodox. I say relatively orthodox because, my, as I mentioned, my grandfather was a rabbi. He wanted all his sons. He had three sons. He had no daughters. He had three sons, just like me. I have three sons, no daughters, but that's about where the, the similarities end. But anyway, uh, he had three sons. He had no daughters, and he wanted them all to become rabbis, and a huge tragedy happened in our family. They all became doctors. It was a great tragedy. Anyway, and then so they're more or less orthodox, except my father, he, well, he was married five times, and he had five fiancées in between, so 10 women altogether. That doesn't exactly square with the orthodox theology, but he, his motto was women. He couldn't live with them. He couldn't with, live without them. He had a disease. But anyway, uh, but nevertheless, we celebrated Passover every year, and there, it's, there's a specific order to how Passover is celebrated. And since no one can remember this order, so therefore there's a book that's called the Haggadah. Haggadah. The Haggadah Hagada means the telling, the telling. And that helps to go through the book. And when when I grew up, they the the books, all the books came from Maxwell House Coffee. I don't know why they came from Maxwell House Coffee. Somehow at first I thought that was some great synagogue, Maxwell House, but but anyway, then I learned, no, they just made the Haggadahs. So, so we had all the Haggadahs, many from Maxwell House Coffee, and it showed us the order, and, you know, and, and, and some of them, well, we had those books from Maxwell's Coffee. We had other books, which are even thicker, more very beautiful books. And so, you know, as a kid, you kind of, like, gasp for which Haggadah is he going to take, the thick one or the thin one, and we kind of go through it. It can go for a very, very long time. And, and I remember sometimes my father said, well, all right, so the rest of the Megiddo, that's enough. Okay. But anyway, so... It is that way. And then there is a plate, which you have in front of you. It's called the Seder plate. Seder is Hebrew. It means order. So again, it's the idea of keeping the order so things don't become chaotic. This is a Seder plate here. This one here is a Seder plate. Now, it's not for deviled eggs. That's not why it's scooped out. But these are little compartments here. Okay, And uh, but it's a, some Seder plates. This is another Seder plate here. This particular seder plate, which has things on it, is very beautiful. This comes from the 1800s, from um, from England, and so there's a seder plate. And so, and I like old seder plates because it's testifying that this holiday has been being kept for so long. It's the oldest one, as I said. Now, in the Orthodox homes, there is a tremendous amount of preparation to remove the chametz. The chametz is means leaven. It's leaven. And so there's a tremendous amount of cleaning that takes place. This is like a deep cleaning of the house. It can start weeks in advance, although as we read, it was really for the seven days that they weren't to eat any 11 in the bread, there, 11 in the house there. But basically, this the purpose of this deep cleaning is to remove all the hummets Sometimes the stove is covered, and, and the walls are painted, and uh it's just really something. There's cleaning, and there's cleaning, and there's cleaning. And then at the end, there's the search for the chomets. There's a search for the chomets. Now, sometimes the father, I remember it as the kids, the kids would go, and with it, they would have three things. They'd have a candle, and they would have a spoon, and they would have a feather. And they would search all over for the chomets with the candle. Although, the candle posed a problem, and there, was, there were fires in New York because of it, so the rabbinate, the rabbinate decided that they could exchange the candle for a flashlight. But anyway, it's searching, searching, searching for everywhere. And usually one of the parents would place a little bit of leaven in a place, and then they would find it. And usually they'd put it in the same place every year so they wouldn't have to tear the whole house apart, but they would just go and find, okay, fine. And then they would take the spoon and the feather, and they would scrape it the the hummets into the spoon and then put it into the napkin, fold it up, and then they would go depending on how they would do it. Sometimes they would have a little fire in the backyard, in the garden, and they would throw the hummets there, or they would march down to the synagogue and throw the hummits in the synagogue. And then there would be the pronouncement, the house is free of hummits. And actually, this is what God told Moses to do when it says there in Exodus 12, 19, as I just read, seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. And so leaven is an interesting thing because it speaks of sin, And you know what leaven is. Leaven is what makes bread rise. What a graphic picture of sin, because at the heart of every sin is pride. And what does pride do? It puffs up. And what does leaven do? It puffs up the bread. So he says, okay, no. And so Paul, now going on this fact here and drawing on this cleaning here, he says in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, he talks about being puffed up. He uses the word glorying. He says, you're glorying, that's like being puffed up. Your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven. See, that's going back to this um, ritual here. That you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast with, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. See, that's the opposite of the pride. Sincerity and truth. Now, on the Seder plate, you'll notice you have a Seder plate, and there's a Seder plate, there are six items which are placed. There is the egg. There was the haroset. Charoset. charoset. You want to try that? You got to say, ha. Don't look at your neighbor when you say this. Ha rosette. Okay, very good. rosette, okay? Then there's the shank bone, then there's greens, parsley, and then there's the bitter herb pieces, and then there's the ground-up bitter herb, otherwise known as horseradish. And then, so as I mentioned, there's two kinds of bitter herbs. are the pieces, and then there's the pieces, and that'll be making the matzo sandwich, and then there's the, the, um, the ground-up ones, and then the bits there that are going with the haroset, okay? Now, As you can see, or as you can notice, there's a bit of preparation involved in this. You don't just throw this together. You know, there's some preparation for the Passover, even beyond just the cleaning, to getting everything all ready and prepared. And it's interesting that in the New Testament that the Lord said, actually the disciples asked the question in Mark 14, 12. In Mark 14, 12, he said, And the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover. What you're looking at here on the table is a preparation. That's the question they were asking. And then it says in Luke 22, 8, Luke 22:8, and he said Peter and John saying, go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. So there's a lot of preparation that goes into it. Now the Passover starts actually with a woman, with the woman of the house, the woman of the house. She comes and she lights the candles there. She lights the candles and if there's no woman in the house, then or she's sick, or there's no whatever, then she, then a man can do it. Now the woman typically will wear what I'm wearing here, which is a prayer shawl called a talit. A talit. In case you don't, in case you forget, they put in very beautiful Hebrew letters here. The word talit. So, okay, this is the talit. So you wear the talit. She wears the talit, and then she waves her hands as she lights the candles. It's okay, and so you know, here's the candle. Actually, this is not a proper candle holder. It's because I forgot the candle holder, So, but don't tell anybody. And then as she lights these candles, we can do this. This is a kosher match, I assure you. We have a kosher fire extinguisher here also. All right, so she lights the candles. You guys see how she, she lights the candles, and then she prays a prayer. You know, Baruch HaTadonai Elohim, Melech HaOlam No, she goes, she goes, I forgot it already. How could I forget it? She goes, that's the other one. It's, uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Some people say Shel Pesach, Shel Yom Tov, should be about a good day, about Pesach. So, blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, that makes us holy by good works. That's why I forgot it. I don't like this prayer. We are not made holy by good works, folks and by his commandments to light the candles of the Sabbath. Now, we wouldn't pray a prayer like that because God has not made us holy by good works. God has made us holy by his grace. And specifically, it says in Titus 3, 5, not by works, Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's why it's difficult for me to say those other prayers, but never mind. All right, now, you have there a cup of wine, right? It's really grape juice, but it's wine. <laughs> okay, so, mm. all right, so there's a cup of wine there, a cup of grape juice, cup of grape juice. It sounds strange to say grape juice, but it was always wine. It was, it was Manischewitz wine. It was For us kids, it was, you know, we get to drink wine, but anyway. Is, but you don't get to drink wine. You to drink wine. I'm going to call it wine, even though there's one wine cup, and in our case... It's the grape juice, as I mentioned. Now, in the Seder ceremony, there are what are called four cups of wine.
1: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. friendshipwithgod.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California 92071, or email Tom Cantor at Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051.
0: What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on youtube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.